So uh, in preparing to come here this afternoon, I was speaking with Pastor Phil. And I probably wasn't too clear about how exactly we do the catechism sermon, the afternoon sermon at Refuge, and maybe I just more confused him than anything. So eventually he was just kind of like, all right, you just do your Refuge thing at Pathway, and give him a taste of that, and I'll do my Pathway thing at Refuge, and they'll get a taste of that. So that's what's happening. Uh, every afternoon, every Sunday afternoon in, in Path or in Refuge, sorry, uh, we dive into the big truths of the Christian faith. You know, try to get the, the big picture teachings, wrap our minds around them and see how they, they come from Scripture. Uh, this afternoon, we are looking at Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism. The Heidelberg Catechism is a, a document which, which summarizes the, the things that we believe, many of the important truths of our faith. And Lord's Day 45, it's a, a part of the Catechism that talks about prayer, and what we believe about prayer. We're going to be looking at question 116. Normally the way I'll do this is I'll read the question and then I invite you all to join me in reading the answer. So here we go. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. Prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. It's such a bold claim when you think about it. I don't know if it's ever struck you. It strikes me every time I, you know, am preaching through the catechism, I get to this Lord's Day, or if I'm prepping to, to teach the youth, you know, the catechism, and we, we get to this Lord's Day. The most important part of the thankfulness which God requires. I'm asking, what is the main thing that God wants to see in his children? What is the number one thing which Christians ought to be doing in response to their salvation. The Catechism says prayer. Not loving others as we love ourselves, or loving God. Not going to church. Not humility or self-control, or, or kindness, or some other Christian virtue or, or characteristic. No, we're told that prayer is the number one thing which God wants from us. I don't think we live this way. I don't think we're raising the next generation of believers to live this way. We'll let the fighter jets pass. I'm sure there are some of us who are better than others when it comes to prayer. There are probably a few people, this church, this afternoon, where you have really strong, consistent prayer lives. But in my experience, many Christians today feel guilty about their prayer life. 
You know, if I had to say, what's the number one question that people dreaded being asked by the elders when they come over to, to visit? How's your prayer life? You always get that answer, not as good as it should be. If I had a nickel for every time someone responded that way, I'd have like five nickels, which isn't a lot of money, but is a surprising number of times I've had that response. Not as good as it should be. We often feel guilty about what our prayer lives are like. But we don't feel so much guilt that we're going to do anything to change it up. So how do we fix this? Well, we fix it by adjusting our priorities. We fix it by reminding ourselves that prayer is more important than anything else we will do in a day. I want you to imagine that it is more important that you pray during a day than that you remember to put on your clothes before you walk out the door. Like, I would never walk out the door naked, be unprepared and embarrassed and, and all sorts of things. If you want to be equipped for the day, equipped to face other people, face society with clothing on, you should think it even more important to face life, face other people, face society, having prayed to your God and Father. As our sermon theme says, don't underestimate the importance of prayer. Prayer is how we give thanks. It's how we request blessings. Prayer is how we maintain our relationship with God. Prayer is how we keep our focus on God so that we're not just living our lives for ourselves, pursuing our goals, doing what naturally comes to us, which is to just do whatever makes us happy. It sounded like a few of them. Maybe that's the Thunderbirds. Prayer is how we keep our minds on God thanking him with our entire existences. And so, yes, the Catechism teaches us it is more important to pray than to, say, read the Bible or sing praises or share the gospel or do things which help those who are less fortunate. Prayer is more important than them all. At least that was Jesus' perspective. Luke 5, 15 to 16 I'm hoping it appears on the screen behind me with a bunch of other texts. Luke 5 describes a time when Jesus' earthly ministry was taking off. He was busier than ever doing the will of God. He was teaching people. He was healing people. He was performing miracles. Did he have time in the midst of all that to be praying? Yes, he did. He made time for prayer. We read, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. You might think, wow, Jesus needs to be there for all those sick people. They want to, to hear about him. They want to give him opportunities to heal. Go, Jesus, do it. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It was prayer which fueled the ministry of Jesus Christ. Luke 6, verse 12. 
One of those days, Jesus went off to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. He spends a, a whole night in prayer. And only after that, the next morning, does he, he choose out of his numerous apostles or numerous disciples, because there were more than 12 disciples, but he chooses 12 of them to be apostles, to be those who will be first sent out and those who will later serve as the, the foundation for his, his new church. It is after a night of repeated prayers that Jesus engages in his greatest acts of redemption. Has it ever struck you how he, or he prayed repeatedly in the Garden of Gethsemane in anticipation of his death, his crucifixion? Matthew 26, 42, 44 to 44, it tells us, you know, he went away a second time and prayed, because he had prayed this once before. My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back to his apostles, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and he went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Jesus prays the same message for the same thing over and over again. This prayer which gives him the strength to face the horror of the cross and the prospect of death. Now, given how important prayer was to our Savior, and these are not the only references to Jesus praying, by the way. There are many. Given how important prayer was to Jesus, the, the perfect Son of God, with whom God was already perfectly pleased, well, it's fair to say that it should be very important for us, people who do not perfectly please our God and Father by all that we do. Now, Jesus, despite being closer to God than any of us, despite already perfectly knowing God's will, you know, exactly how God would want him to act in any given situation, despite the fact that Jesus was someone who could perfectly do all that God desired, he nevertheless constantly took time to pray. Because he was working on that relationship with his father. But we so often, we treat prayer, in many cases, as this quaint little ritual. It just ought to be done. But, I mean, it really isn't that important in the grand scheme of things. Like, we should pray, but, I mean, it's not the prayer that gets things done. We often treat it as this thing which just kind of has to be checked off rather than seeing it for what it truly is. A vital lifeline between us and God. The fuel line, you might say, to the Father, which allows us to do everything else that we might do in God's name for God's glory. 
See, it is prayer which, which must fuel our every action, our every attempt to, to please our Father. Prayer needs to fuel us as individuals. It also needs to fuel us as churches. You know, in his first letter to the, the Thessalonians, believers living in the ancient city of Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul begins by telling them in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I hope it appears behind me, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you keep reading Thessalonians, what you'll find is that Paul comes back to this again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he, he throws out the reminder. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. One of the very last things he says to them in verse 25, brothers and sister, pray for us. He writes this letter to the church and he says, we are praying about you, praying about what you're doing all the time. And you know what? You also need to be praying about that. And you need to be praying about us. You know, the Apostle Paul, one of the busiest guys imaginable. He was constantly spreading the gospel in, in new locations. He was building up the church and in places where it had just gotten a foothold. He was frequently someone who was, you know, doing double duty. He would be a, a tent maker by day, and he would be preaching in the, the synagogues on the Sabbath or talking about Jesus with any other opportunity he had. Constantly on the go. But over and over again, he writes to the churches, we are praying for you all the time. You should be praying for yourselves all the time. Please pray for us all the time as well. And one of the excuses we so often come up with about why don't we pray more, it's, well, we're just so busy. There's so much to do. I don't really have time for, for prayer. Yet you have the Apostle Paul out there, you know, doing this work, this very productive work for the glory of God saying, I am praying continually for you people. The Apostle Paul tells the believers in the city of Ephesus, Ephesians 1, 16 17, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He writes the same thing to the believers in Colossae, Colossians 1, verse 9, For this reason, since the day we ask about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. He tells the believers in Rome, in Rome, Romans chapter 1, God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to, to come to you. 
over and over again. Paul prays for the churches. Reaching out to the people around us, sharing the gospel with others. I think it's safe to say it's something that a lot of us want to prioritize. Very dear to our hearts. It's often something we want to do, to do better at. Something we want to learn more and more about. You know, how can we better reach out to the people around us? How we can we be a, a more flourishing, healthier church of, of Jesus Christ? How might we help, you know, small church plants grow or, or new churches flourish and establish and, and send out more new churches and communities all around us? Well, let's pay attention to what the Apostle Paul did. Paul, arguably the greatest missionary of the Christian church. What did he do for countless new believers? He prayed for them a lot. How much are we praying for our young church? How much are we praying for the visitors? For those of you who may be here for the first time. How much are we praying for the Holy Spirit to be at work among us and among those we come in contact with and those we haven't even had a chance to, to speak with yet? We're told in the Catechism, God will give His grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. Which is a reminder that one of the most important things for us, you know, to teach others is the importance of prayer. You know, if we have new believers coming into the church, if you're a new believer or you're just here, checking out what's happening at Pathway. One of the most important things for you to learn about becoming a Christian is prayer. You need to be taught to pray, taught the importance of prayer. But for those of us who have been here a little bit longer, perhaps, how much do we know about prayer to teach it to others? How can we teach others to constantly pray, ask God for his gifts, and thank him for them, unless we know how to do that for ourselves? How can we teach others the most vital skill or discipline of the Christian faith if we don't practice it for ourselves? How can we teach others to have a living relationship with God if we hardly have a relationship with him ourselves. Now it's through prayer that the Holy Spirit comes to act in our lives. It is through prayer that we are equipped to be able to spread the gospel. Are you scared of speaking to others about God? Is that kind of a scary thought? Having a conversation with someone at work, someone at school, someone down the street about what church you go to, what you believe about God. 
scares a lot of people. So consider this. Pray about it. How often have you asked God, help me to be more comfortable talking about you, spreading the good news? You're not sure how to, to share, or sorry, you're not sure how to, to answer the questions that might come up. Pray about it. Ask for God to help you give answers or to help you direct people to a place where they may get answers. Not sure how you can spread the gospel when you don't have many relationships with people who aren't already Christians? Pray about that. Pray for opportunities to get to know and meet some people who don't already know God. Whatever it is that you lack or might feel you need, just pray about it. Prayer prompts the Holy Spirit to work in us and in others. Acts 4, verse 31. We get this picture of the early church. We're told, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Acts 8, 15-17, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. See, I want all of you to imagine. There's one thing you can kind of take home from this afternoon's service. I want you to imagine that the Holy Spirit is only going to act when you pray for him to act. I want you to imagine that God is only going to convert the people that you pray for him to convert. That he is only going to give you those fruit of the Spirit you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, such things, if you ask for it. I want to, you to, to go from here, not just kind of expecting that, well, God is going to do things in my life because that's what God does, but imagine he is only going to do what you ask of him. Pray like that. Not because that's how it works. God does all sorts of things in our lives we don't ask for. He often helps us grow. You know, sometimes he makes us go through painful things that force us to grow. And We never prayed for it. We never asked for it. He just does it. I think sometimes we need more of a sense of responsibility of Christians. More of that idea that, that we should only expect what we ask for, that we might be more motivated to ask in the first place. Pray as if your relationship with God depended on it. Pray as if the salvation of people around you depended on it. Pray with the conviction that through prayer, you have the ability to directly signal the Holy Spirit and let him know where you would like him to be. As if through prayer you could shine a, a giant bat signal and when Batman would show up and he'd be like, what's the problem? Well, we have that situation over there. All right, I'm on it. 
Imagine through prayer, you can call on the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, please go help in this situation. Or please help me in this. You know, listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1 verse 17. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. He keeps asking for what people need. See, I think most of us probably know that we can't spread the Christian faith, you know, relying on our own strength, our own knowledge, our own intelligence, our winsome conversational abilities. You know, a lot of us come from a very, you know, reformed background. We have an understanding that, you know, it is ultimately God who saves. God needs to miraculously transform people's hearts for them to believe. But how often are we actually asking him for, or asking for him to do that? How often do we pray, God, send people our way who I'd never expect? How often do we pray, give me opportunities to speak about Jesus Christ with others? How often do we pray, help me to be Christ to others? Someone who gets to tangibly love and care for them. Open those doors up. Wouldn't it be a beautiful, God-pleasing thing if we knew that every Sunday there were numerous members of our church praying, God, bring new people to join us today. God, work in the heart of someone who's there that that worship service will Give them what they need to have a deeper relationship with you. It's not enough for us to talk about how we want to be missional, outreach-minded. It's not enough for us to have programs to that end. It's not enough for us to make all sorts of changes in terms of our singing, our liturgy, to make it easier for people to come in. I mean, I'm for those things. But we need to understand that more important than any of that is going to be prayer. Things are not going to happen without prayer. Because it is by prayer that we get God to act. And he can do far more than we ever can. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us to embrace prayer. You know how we can struggle with it. We can find prayer awkward. We can find we don't know what to say. We can find that we're, we're so busy that it's, it's fine to find, hard to find time for prayer. But Father, you point out in so many ways in your word that it is vital to our spiritual health, to the spiritual health of churches. 
We should not expect pathway to grow without there being much prayer. We should not expect people who are a part of this church to to grow in faith, to, to know more and more about you and want to serve you more and more unless there are prayers. Father, help us to embrace prayer and be constantly praying. Help us to bring you the the concerns of our day, our needs, our struggles, our failures, our hopes, our desires. Help us to speak to you, to see you as the loving Father that you declare yourself over and over again to be. Help us to pour out our hearts to you and help us to trust more and more that you are listening, you are working, you are responding. Not always in the ways that we might like or expect, but you do hear our prayers. You do answer them. And through them, you are transforming this world around us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.